Welcome to another episode of Impactpreneurs. I'm one of your hosts, Davrick Lyles, with my other host and friend and colleague, Sean Alexander. Right on, man. We're back. We're back. What's up, bro? Hey, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Turn that brain down tonight. I can't. Sean entered the studio running a thousand miles an hour. He's doing business, multitasking like a, a fiend. A shark in the water, right? Sometimes it's hard to just stop your mind when it does happening. Like and, that's and, that's what keeps my mind going into like midnight, and then I only sleep two hours. I know, right? Stays like this. And didn't you just get off the? You, you, I just you, got off the plane yesterday. Yesterday from Dallas again. Yeah. So every time we do the ca- podcast, you're in Dallas <laughs> doing business, coming back. Like, do you yeah. live there now? Uh, no, but that is eventually the goal, to be honest, or or to be be able to go back and forth fifty fifty because there's business going on over there now, um, and just what I'm seeing within that city. Uh, There's a lot of money there now, isn't there? Isn't yeah, there everybody moving just, there? Man, it's just a place where like everybody wants to everybody wants to genuinely see each other prosper. So so they're they're interested in helping others. Like genuinely. It's not just talk. It's not like we're over here um or from Seattle or in California where people say they want to see their friends succeed and help their friends out and you know why would you not post your friend's stuff but that's all surface level shit they don't really mean that cuz they don't do it that's, they don't introduce the people that need to be introduced with each other that could potentially help them somebody do better or both do better um because they want to see their friends win but they don't want to see their friends win bigger than them if the plausibility exists that's a flaw personality it's fucked up and i see that i saw that a lot in seattle i'm starting to see that a lot in las vegas i see it a lot here there's a lot of opportunity here but the the hand that when you reach out it's like psych that's exactly what it is and and if you specialize in something i've noticed people won't go to you that's this is the problem i had in seattle i've been doing the same thing for 25 years with vcs and startups and tech space and i specialize in it Correct. And once I started spreading my wings and working with clients outside of Seattle and the Bay and and Silicon Valley, and I got to other cities, then it was like, oh, call Daverick, call Daverick. But when I was there, best friends. It's like, dude, what? You, oh, I just, I, I, you what? They don't want you to excel and and succeed past them. But why is that in certain cities? Is it, is it the environment or the association? Is it the mindset of people? What what is it? I think it's, um, I think it's fear. Because what I what I think it is, because like as they want your limitations to be as small as theirs. Because if they know that, like, if they have enough awareness to understand that their capacity is only a certain level, and what they have the ability to accomplish is at a certain level, they know that currently at this current moment, their cap is like right here, is at eighty percent, for example, and they want to see their friends win. But if they them introducing a friend of theirs to somebody or promoting a friend of theirs that puts their friend at a position that could potentially give them the opportunity to win at 100%, they don't do it because they don't want to see that person get past them. And that all-for-one mentality is completely gone. Completely gone. Which, which you know, if you create a team of, of colleagues, associates, and friends around you, I'm of the firm belief that the pendulum swings both ways. It goes, well, it comes back around, but, too, because, like, if, like... Like, for example, like you sending me some referrals, um, whether they panned out or not, I knew your heart was in the right place. And some did, some didn't. Um, but in the end, like, then I'm, I'm bringing it back to you. I introduce you to a private pre-IPO. Um, there's other things that are in the works that you know that I'm 100% going to have you involved in. But that's just because I know you genuinely want to see me 
excel beyond measures and i know and i'm gonna want the same thing for you too where versus like you could be selfish and be like all right i want to see sean win but i only want to get to see him go so far because i don't want him to get to that certain market that we're both targeting before me right but i I think that comes with gratitude of of friendship and and humility too right but i didn't expect anything in return my mindset isn't like that. Correct. I know that by the powers that be, whether it's... It's a universal law. Biblical, universal law. I know it'll come back. It might come from somebody else, but because I did good, here's my good gesture. You know, just not because I'm expecting anything, but you're, you're a colleague and friend, associate. It's like, hey, Sean, here you go. You don't, the thing is, you don't have to expect it because you know that the, the values and the standards that I withhold, that you withhold, that you know that by default, unnaturally... I will have a way or find a way to bring that back to you. And it might be even great, whether it's greater or not, but you know I'm going to try to bring it back to you because you did that out of the authenticity in your heart. Right. Plus, wouldn't you want to see your friends win? Right, but most people want to see their friends win at a, at a, with a cap. Okay, then all you have is an entourage. You're paying for everything, <laughs> right? They're like, follow me. Come on, guys. I'm going to pay for your trip, your food, your dinners, your, your you know, around-the-world thing, but you can't live like I do. Because you're in Peasantville and I'm up here living like a king. Well, it's like this. Like, let's say, let's just, just to make numbers easy. Like, let's say right now you are currently at an, at 80% of whatever your marker is, and you and I are at the same level, and I'm at 70%. You might introduce something or somebody to me that might actually get me to get to 100% faster than you getting to that 100%. Well, most people are not going to want to see that happen. So by default, you're going to prevent yourself from introducing me to the right person that'll get me to that goal that's at 100%. That makes no sense why people would not want to do that. Because you wouldn't want me to get there faster than you. But why? It's what, a selfish what is thing. Because you know what's funny about that? Because the thing is, you're not going to get there any faster by withholding that referral. Why not let me get there? And you know I'm going to find a way to pull you up there with me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and that's and that's the part where the back ass, backwards ass mentality comes in is people don't think that if you push a friend up to excel past you, well, you best believe that if you got a good friend and if you got a friend of values, that if you push that friend up and they go past you, they're going to reach down and pull you back up with them. This reminds me of of, of something else. <laughs> that too, but the other thing I've noticed. Is I've helped people out of the kindness of my heart, and they've won. And then when you're having a conversation with them, they don't even say anything about you helping them, or they don't even acknowledge. And they oh, even, negate it. They for, yeah, they negate it. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I got you. Not that I'm looking for that, but I hear the conversation. Oh, I went in, I killed it, got the deal done, blah blah blah. And I'm like, but uh, they didn't mention Davrick helped me out and put Not that I'm deal. even looking for it, but and then I say something. It's like, well, yeah, I'm glad I could help. Well, no, it was me. It's like, first of all, you didn't get that lead. I gave you that lead. I helped you out with your resume. I helped you do the introduction. You went in and did the interview and killed it, but it was set up on a tee. All you had to do was swing and hit the golf ball. You, 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 everything was there. It's really sad because like, it's the fact that we're even talking about this topic. So I, I have a friend of mine that's opening up. He owns a series of medical clinics and um, he's opening up one in Dallas. And so I, while I was there, I introduced him to somebody that's gonna take him and his business partner in the next year beyond nine figures. 
like not just a hundred million, but beyond that. Wow. Um, not ten figures, but it's gonna put it's gonna make them nine figures um, as soon as they pull that trigger in the, in the new year. And uh, I don't want anything in return. I just genuinely knew that. Okay, I got a, one friend here. I got another friend here, and I know if I bring these two friends together and meet. This other friend is going to help my friend with the medical clinic go from eight figures to multiple nine figures in the next six to 12 months. So I just naturally brought them together and shit's in the works. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and all, all you want is, hey, thanks. If yeah. that, if that, it's not that. too much to ask. No, but that's the thing. Like, but then you got people that are the opposite. Oh, well, I don't want to see my friend get to nine figures. So I'm not going to introduce him to this guy that I know. That really can help him get there. Or even, I've went so far, is it somebody planting the seed or the idea? I've thrown them a bone. You know what I mean? You know the terminology? Like if I had people say, hey, Dav, you should do this, you know, whether it's dividends or return, I've helped them out because they gave me that idea. Even sure. though they didn't do an introduction, it's like, hey, hey, uh, I started doing this because you mentioned something. And I'll say, hey, I got something for you. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. No, no, I'll take care of you. And I, I throw the ball back. Yeah, okay, so like a go. bonus in return for like, hey, this idea has made me X, so let me just give you right. whatever. But they negate it or they forget it or they try to forget it. And then they try to go with somebody else to do what you, what, what you gave them the idea of. And then they, they forget about who planted <laughs> the seed. I could name that too. If you, you know, that's the thing. You're, you're, you're a bearer of, of fruit and crops, right? And that's what you do. You're a leader. And you're inspiring, right? And if you're if you're planting the seed, and a guy says, "Oh, that's a good idea," and he goes off and makes you know millions of dollars with somebody else, what's what? What are you, what are you thinking? Why do people do that? I, I I guess where we're talking about this is because I think this is I know it's happened to me. I'm not bitter, but I just question the validity of people and their where their values are. And it sounds like it's happened to you. It has happened to me. And the thing is, like you know, the best way to put it. Is and I'm not bitter. It's annoying. It is annoying. But um, there's nothing to be bitter about because I already know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna have coming into the new year, for example. But it's more one of those things where uh, being in the business world, you have we have to, and this is for everybody, anybody that's watching this. You gotta you gotta come to a conclusion and understand that some of some people that you are friends with, that you think you're close with, or that you think respect you, will fuck you over. Like people, people, a lot of people almost have an intent to fuck you over when they know they are, they know they're going to, it just comes with the territory that's comes with the territory of running a business. There is not one business owner that has not been fucked over by somebody that they know in some shape or form. It happens. Yep. It's part of it's, it's part of the business. Even with contracts and agreements. Yeah. Yeah. Cause each state has its own set of laws and rules. So I've seen people skate by those. And and that that's where I feel humility comes in with with certain people, right? Well, okay. What? Yes, on that context, hundred percent right. But since you mentioned that, what is the meaning of humility to you? I, I would say, for me, it's it's if if somebody I'll give you an example. Somebody say, "Wow, you're so successful in what you do." It's like, hey, I really appreciate that. I just, you know, I try to do a good job and, and, and give back. I don't, you know, I think my intent, when I send a message, I, I posted a message today on Facebook, okay? And I made it clear. I said, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this because I'm trying to get people to see the value 
of my message without it being about me and me trying to advance myself and better myself and make me look like the man. Does that make sense? Yes. And I said, you must act quick on opportunities. Don't take too long thinking about the opportunity and sharpen the pencil and never write the message. Right. Jump on it. Right. And well I said. said, because of this, a decision I made, because a year ago today, me and my girlfriend and my kids were here eating the Bellagio in front of the fountains. Right. And it came up on Facebook. Okay. And I said, we left and I said, we need to move to Vegas. And I put, I put earnest money down in October. Well, I got friends in Seattle I've been talking about it for years and years and years. And they're like, oh, maybe next year I'm going to look. Dude, you're missing the power wave. You're missing the, 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 ex, the upward mobility of the, the real estate market. Right. And now we're in this kind of this inflation market maybe. It's mega inflamed and uh, inflated. Yeah. And right now everybody's kind of like, well, okay, wait a minute. What's going to happen in 2022? And so I said that. I said, I'm not saying this to brag, but this is the equity because somebody got to show people. Yeah. But I was I was trying to be, I tried to have humility with it. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Uh, instead of saying, I just made this much money because I did this and you guys didn't listen. No, no. I'm trying to get you guys to think for yourselves. Think uh, outside from, the box. Outside the box from another perspective. I'm trying to help my friends win. You know, because I've, I've, I've gambled and rolled the dice and go, man, craps, right? And then people have told me to jump on it and I, I hesitated. Craps. That opportunity, you threw, threw a bone my way, I jumped on it. The housing, I jumped on it. And so far, I'm like, oh, that was a good move. Now, there's other opportunities I jumped on. So to answer your question, humility, I guess, I don't have a true definition other than try to send a message to somebody to empower them, share with them what you've done with, without you trying to make it about bragging. You're, you're, does that make sense? Am I saying that right? You, you are, I know exactly what you're saying. And here's the thing. The way society has defined humility... Is some weird insecure thing that that someone out there made up, and what what people are trying to label aggressive go getters as not being humble is just a lack of their own fucking shortcomings. What they can't perform on, what they can't execute on, what they can't receive, what they can't execute, what they're not capable of doing. So therefore, if someone else is doing it and they're showing it to the world that hey, this is what it feels like to win. They're gonna say that person's not humble. When it's like, no, motherfucker, like that, that doesn't mean I'm not humble. That just means I'm showing you what the possibilities are if you open your mind and actually go to work and have a plan and execute and put your head down and not waste time. Yeah, and and I think anybody that's been successful, really successful in life and business, has to have been humbled because you're not gonna win until you fail first. Well, like, look, Conor McGregor just bought the new $100 million Lamborghini yacht. And a whole bunch of fucking losers are saying that he's not humble, he's showing shit off, it's materialistic. No, like, first of all, the dude is probably one of the greatest marketers on the planet. And he has marketed a certain way in the MMA world that has earned him an astronomical amount of money by promoting things, promoting fights the way he has. Whether he's lost or not, he makes he walks out of fights, lose or win, twenty million plus. Plus his brand and his his uh, right. Maker, so maker him stock. him showing off his new Lamborghini yacht doesn't make him not humble. It just he's just showing like this is what my life is like now. And is he showing it off or is he just sharing? Sharing, right? Because right. for me, it's like I want that. Boat. I want that boat. How do I get there? Well, I know how to get there, but that's what people's mentality should be. And remember, a long time ago, and a few casts ago. I had mentioned, like, if I see somebody with something 
crazy expensive that just looks badass. Instead of me thinking that they're not humble or they're just materialistic, I'm going to be wondering like, what type of mindset did this person have to create the outcome of that? To be that great of a promoter, what was going through his mind? How did he think to himself that if I create this much drama pre-fights, before the fights come about, when I'm promoting it, if I create X amount of drama and create this much hostility, it's going to draw so much attention that it's going to bring in nine-figure numbers. Yeah, look at Floyd Mayweather. Right, same thing. And, and people back in the days, for like for example, Muhammad Ali, right? He was confident, not cocky. But back then, they thought he was cocky. Now they look at it now, and they're like, oh, that's greatest of all time. Yeah, greatest of all time. Same with Floyd. Same with, with Connor, right? And and peop, they've all failed. Connor had no car. He, he went and bought a car, got it repoed, right? He was training in the gym, had no money, couldn't pay his bills. You know, and he and, and now look at him. His girlfriend stood by his side the whole time. The she was whole the whole time. She was the one that pushed him out the door. Go train, go fight, go get ready. Like you can do this. She's the one that poured the belief in him. Yeah. Um. And 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 even like Mark Mark Zuckerberg. I know he's not a fan of a lot of people, but he had three ideas that he implemented prior to Facebook. He shared it with his class, and only three people showed up after school. When they created Facebook, right before that he had a chat uh, bot. He had he had two other things he tried and failed. Um, Elon Musk. Everybody has tried that's successful. You have to fail. I like people like oh I tried a business and failed one time. You only failed once. You got to fail you like have to have more fails. Oh than my you have gosh! And, to get a win. and talk about being humble, bro. I've been in a situation where I'm like, how am I going to pay rent the next day? Back in the day, I moved down here in '09 when the whole industry collapsed to play poker full time. My tech space was gone. I had this much overhead, no money coming in, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I got humbled quick, very quick, and I'm like sitting there at the tables like rounders playing cash games, paying my bills with cash. But I kept fighting, and I'm back, right? It's happened twice in a one, too. So I think anybody that's successful has had humility, and, and well, they're humble. My, my, to me, my definition of humility, um, again, I don't really give a shit what people think of what their opinion is of me when it comes to when they say I'm not humble because I'm obviously more the aggressor. I'm, I'm vocal. Um, I'm not loud. I'm not loud by attention wise. I'm loud with my words um, to try to get a point across. Right. Um, and I hit things that really like, you know, feels like somebody's getting gutted and it triggers emotions. The problem is that. The way I say things, yeah, I want to trigger you emotionally, but for the right reason. Instead of look, instead of looking at it as a negative, I need to get a T-shirt for you. That right? says that. Instead, of, instead of looking at it negatively, look at it as like, holy fuck, that hurt. Why does that hurt? Self-reflect. Like, what what about Sean said is making me feel this way, and do I need to change something to not feel this way? What do I need to improve on? So for me, humility, to me. Um, has nothing to do with being aggressive or not, being an alpha or a beta, or being an introvert or an extrovert. To me, humility is knowing when you're wrong and forever having the ability and willingness to want to learn. Be coachable. That's that's That to me is humility. Because if you're no more knowledgeable than me in something, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know more than you because I want to feel better. Like I'm gonna know better to let me, let me fucking bow down and submit to this 
and know that Daverick knows more than I do, and I'm going to receive some information and knowledge from Daverick because it'll help me excel in this area, as opposed to me being arrogant about it and be like, no, there's nothing Daverick can say that I don't know. Obviously, if you try to tell me something that I specialize in, then yeah, maybe. But other than that, that's that's what I define as humility. Yeah, I think society's taught that by you sharing with someone that you're not knowledgeable of it, they take it as a sign of weakness until you have the maturity to realize that that's not the case. Because, you know, they think, I think a lot of people feel it's a weakness if they don't know. And you see these people that know everything, but have nothing, right? The jaw jackers, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call it. And you'll sit there and I listen, I'm practicing listening more to people and seeing through their bullshit, right? Because we've been around a minute. Right. Every year you get older, you're like, "Ooh, I got another star. I'm, I'm that much wiser, but I have this much time less to live. Right. But I and I love not knowing. I love learning. Right. I love learning new stuff. I do, it too. It gets me excited and getting around somebody. It's like the, the, the gentleman I met the other day or was trying to meet that owns uh, Urban Necessities. You know, he came from nothing and I'm watching his story and I'm learning from him. He's very humble. You know, very soft-spoken, very grateful, a lot of gratitude. I'm like, man, how can I learn from him? And so it inspired me. And now my son's trying to get in the same business, the sneaker broker business and Nike and all that stuff. So he's getting around it, buying stuff, selling Nikes online. And it's like, wow, this guy I'm going to try to meet next week. He's, he's, his story is phenomenal, but I want to learn from him. I've been in business three times as long, and he's more successful. What can I do to emulate what he's done and cut the corners, cut the fat out legitimately? Right. Now, you know, the only time that that this is my opinion and many would probably disagree. Now, the only time that I would not want to learn from somebody, even if they do know more than me, even if they are more knowledgeable than me, if they like to fuck around in their life and if they got and if they hang around with associations that are not so high of standards or quality values then I don't really care to learn from somebody, right. even if they know more than I do. Because uh, I just don't want to be around that type of energy. So that would be an exception um, where humility would not play a factor. And it's like, well, Daverick, you fucking like to party. You like to do this. Um, you hang around losers um, that don't want to excel as bad as I do in life, that aren't even excelling remotely close to what you're doing. Why aren't you teaching your friends to do better? Um, or why aren't you even bringing the hammer down on them and telling them to get their shit together. So therefore, I don't want to learn anything from you because you probably aren't going to have the capacity to be able to teach me if you haven't taught your own circle how to get to where you're at. Well, that's why my circle's small. (laughs) Even if your circle's small. No, I don't. Imagine imagine if you had a circle of three, four people. You're doing what you're doing. I know what it is. We're not going to talk about it. And if your circle of three, four people were doing half or less of what you were doing and they're not doing anything to improve or change their lifestyle or to improve their business or improve their finances. And you're not doing anything about it either. You're not even giving them an ultimatum of like, hey, fellas, if you guys don't get your shit together, if you're not willing to learn, if you're not willing to put your head down and finally go to work and stop messing around, I can't be around you. And, and I posted this today on Instagram. You can fuck your whole life up by having close friends who have no goals and inspirations in life. Mm-hmm. And I have friends from a distance but as far as friends that I associate with, I think you're the only one that I associate with here in Vegas. And that's it. That's it. I mean, I have my, my other half, but we, we don't have a, 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 I mean, as you get older, you, that, that narrows. You realize what you need to do, right? And I've tried to put my hand out to people. I've told, 
25 years, told them the same thing. Not one of them has jumped on it. I, I've written a roadmap out, a key to success. Here I have the last week another person from Arizona. Dav, I want to live your lifestyle. What do I need to do? I, I wrote it out, plain and simple. Cut your teeth for two years, do this, and then go to the next step. I can, I can give you a roadmap of what I've done and better. Right. Now one person has done it. And I'm like, okay. I got to separate myself. Exactly. So uh, it's me, myself, and I. <laughs> yeah, until, until you meet people of your caliber. Right, right. And there's one person now who's kind of came into my life that's trying to be successful and got a new company started, and he's, he's rolling, he's going the right direction, and we're casually talking, but I got to guard my, my circle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because if you prematurely let people into your circle, they could, be, they could be poisonous and you don't even know it yet. And I think that happens a lot too. I think people, look, I know we all live by that, by the whole saying of give everybody the benefit of the doubt and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you, you should. But at the same time, that doesn't mean don't have your guard up. That doesn't mean don't pay close attention to what they do, who they hang out with, what they're doing on the weekends. Cause like you could come to me and be like this badass baller and all that stuff. And I didn't let you into my circle, and introduce some of my people, but you like to jerk around on the weekends. That when that exposes itself, I now become questionable from my circle. Like, why would Sean bring Daverick into this circle? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about something else. Um, I know we were talking about earlier, um, and I'm kind of getting off topic, but we were talking about this is gym related. Okay, is that okay? Because I know we're, we're just, yeah, whatever. Uh, training training partners. You know, we're okay. working out. So I've I've had training partners over the years, but then I found myself like like liking to train by myself because of certain ways I like to train. And then I'll, I'll train with somebody else. Like, okay, that's a shock to the body, but not necessarily, like you said, want to associate with that person. So I had the same problem that you just mentioned over the years, training with somebody that I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate or respect their lifestyle. Right. So I couldn't be training partners with them. Right. Does, that, that makes sense. hundred percent. Um, man, training, <sighs> Having the right training partner is so crucial. Um, and it really boils down to, like, most people will look for will look at a training partner to see, oh, is this person in great shape? Are they going to push me? To me, that's secondary. The first is how intense and connected is that person with me during the workout? Yeah. Meaning, are they on their phone texting a lot? While working out, right. while it's my set, are they on their phone? Yeah, because they could need you there for the set. If you're doing drop sets, right. or you're doing, you know, um, or like, are they even like in the zone? Are they as intense as I am? Do they give up easily because the first pain just comes in? Um, all these play a very crucial role in the quality of a workout partner. Like you and I have worked out together before, not planned, spontaneously, but it's worked out. But um, oh, and it, it pushed me. But, I was I was sore for three weeks. <laughs> but, and I'm and I'm in the zone with you. Like like yeah, you're what focused, you're going through, I'm right there with you. But you're you. there. You're and not I'm, checked out. You're not you know. And not, and not half checked out either. Like I'm not checking my phone. No, no. If or there's anything. an emergency or something, or your you know child or somebody, I know you don't have kids, sure. but something happens. Like hey, I got to get this. But um, or there's a five million dollar deal. Somebody calls like hey, Dad, love you, but I gotta. Well, because here's the so if you're somebody that likes to pick up their phone, <laughs> I got a friend that does this. Um, if you're someone who likes to pick up their phone periodically throughout the workout, naturally and psychologically, I'm not going to go under the barbell 
whether it's squatting or whether it's pressing or anything, by default, I'm not going to go to that next level that I should on pushing a certain amount of weight because I can't risk you not being ready to catch something if, it, if something goes wrong or get ready to spot me when I need you to. Or distracted by other people talking to you. I mean, there's certain gyms in Vegas you go to. It's like a, it's like a Hollywood celebrity night out at the at the club. Yeah. Right. So you you got to tell everybody, hey, I got to train, or give me a minute. You know, because right. I train with her. She's trying to go pro, Iris. So in in December, trying to get her pro card. So when I'm when I'm with her, I have to watch. Yeah. Right. Because she's you know, and it's like somebody come, hey, Dad, what are you doing this weekend? And it's like, hey, hold on a second, man. Right. So. I think I think that goes in the same circle. Also, I add on to the part where you said association, or we talked about like what are you doing as a person, because I'm around that person, right? I don't, and honestly, I don't care what people think of me. But to a point, right? I don't want somebody. Oh, look, they're hanging around with this person. Are they selling drugs? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? Right? So I choose my partners, but it's just been me and her, right? Right. And I'm pushing her more. Than she's pushing me. I'm not going to go pro. But I want to be in shape, but I've been doing it a while. So then her, it's like, I got to push her. I got to do this. I got to do that, right? Right. So I think it's, it's, it's critical to get the right training partner, like you said, and somebody that's going to be focused. And, with, and a lot of times, she's going to be mad when she sees this, she's got to stay off her phone, right? I need content. No, you need to train. You can get your content after you train. Right. So sometimes I got to take the phone from her, right? And just say, hey, give me your phone. Let me put it away. Yeah. See, because it's funny. You know, it's interesting about that because so many times that I've prepped, whether it was for a show or for a photo shoot, um, I'll go fast forward like six months afterwards and I'll be like, man, I wish I recorded that. Like I'll scratch my head. Like, yeah, I wish I recorded that. I wish I recorded that. I wish I took pictures of that. I wish I took pictures of that. And I'll just kind of like, and I'll have a little bit of regret, but then I'll be like, you know what? No, because I actually got to enjoy the entire purpose of that training right. session as opposed to being worried about getting captured on the phone right and it is it it does feel a little it does feel a little shitty because then you know like there's all these other people around you that are getting everything recorded right um so it just kind of needs to be one of those things where like i realized and came to i had the awareness to realize if i'm ever going to cut down to that point again whether it's just because i want to or for a photo shoot i'm just going to hire someone to literally record my entire workout don't say a word to me don't say a damn thing just follow me while i train or even like somebody come up and do your first set of each each routine right that's there but not but, interrupt you. but it causes a disconnect so if i have to walk so like for me right. in particular it's because because i'm an addict when i put the weights down i still have to stay in that zone no conversation no communication no eye contact with anybody just stay in this place of like war and as soon as I have to disconnect to go say, hey, Dav, can you record this for me, please? I've already lost a fraction of that intensity. And you don't get that back. You might think you do, but it's never the same. Yeah. It's that zone, right? And I think even when I was serious, like at the competing level, I had a journal that I'd keep track of. And there might have been any year two A days, but mostly B days and then C's and D's. But to get to an A day, it's like, wow. I, I mean, I, w I had a high bar, and I think there was maybe one or two a year where it's like, well, that was an A day where it's like, whoa, everything was on. Yeah. But I'm so dialed. Like, I, I actually will watch motivational bodybuilding, 
you know, a Machiavelli, right? It works sometimes, man. And I, when I'm working out, I'm looking at Sean Ray or Kevin Lavroni or, you know, um, who, whoever's out there, and I'd say, wow, look at these guys, right? So Dorian Yates. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to talk more about Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about Dallas? What, what's the battle plan here? I know you can only share so much, but you've been there a lot. You're doing well here. You said you want to expand, and you're, you're trying to think about moving to Dallas. Is that is that half and half? Um, ideal, the ideal scenario is for me to go uh, – it's for me to be going back and forth um, 100%. Why, what is it about Dallas other than the people? Is it the money? What, what is it? It's, it's everything all around. Like, first of all <sighs> – like number one, number one is the people. That that's first and foremost. Because money, I can stay in Vegas. I can go back to California. Um, I can really go anywhere with if it's just for the money. But it's really more because of the people. Like I truly, genuinely love the people of of Texas. At least Dallas, because that's the area that I go to. Um, like I said, everybody there genuinely wants to prosper and win together. Um, do you think you're going to be there in the next couple of years? Like permanently? Yeah. Really? How long have you lived in Vegas? This is my sixth year. Yeah. You're ready to go. You, you've gotten all, you've gotten everything you needed out of Vegas. Almost. No, not yet. Almost. You're almost there. Seven year mark gone. I wouldn't say gone, but I'll be going back and forth. Like my mentor right now is officially 50, 50 there right now. He's, he's here. Um, he is here Monday, sorry, he's here Sunday, from Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, flies out Wednesday evening to Dallas and has, he got his own place Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's you think you get a place there? I'm already like in the process of it. Wow. Yeah. That's one of the secrets. That, so. that, that was one of the, the choices before moving here, that or Miami. Yeah. That's, that's one of the secrets right now because... Um, I do want to. I I do want to put myself in a position where I f have to force myself to go there so that I can attract building my business out there. And if I don't put myself into that position where I take that risk, I'll procrastinate making that move. Uh, so if I if I if I keep making myself go out there and put myself in a position where it's like, okay, now I'm looking for a place. Um, like my mentor got, he's in uh, he's in one of the major high rises there. Um, second or third to last floor only because he got it too late because he wants one of the penthouses at the very top. And we went there a year and a half ago um, and looked at the, one of the penthouses and we were going to pull the trigger and he got to it just a little bit late because we looked at it right before COVID happened, uh, before the pandemic, the shutdowns and all that stuff. And so we went we looked at it, we looked at two different penthouses, and then we looked at something, a room, a floor below, and then when we came back, we were discussing, he's like, I definitely want the penthouse. I'm like, get it. I was like, you know, I'm gonna be coming back and forth anyways. Um, and then pandemic happened, shutdowns happened, all that crap happened, and then it just kind of like fell off the priority list by accident. And then as soon as it kind of got, as soon as the, um, Pandemic, the, yeah. As soon as the pandemic kind of got lifted to like fifty percent occupancy versus when it was like twenty percent or twenty five percent, he's like, "Hey, it's time to go back and look at look at Dallas." And by the time he got back to it, um, the penthouses were all sold out. Wow! So he got 
um, like I said, he's on the th- second or third to last, and he's on the waiting list to, as soon as one opens up, he's the first one on the list to go to the top. That's exciting, man. Yeah. It's the next step. Yeah, and that's kind of like where my eyeball is at right now, too, because uh, he's looking at a at the two-bedroom penthouse, um, and this last time that I was there, I was like, hey, I need you to seriously consider doing the three-bedroom penthouse, because I'll for sure keep going with you on that. There you go, man. Real estate in Dallas. Uh, so it's that, or plus, like, there's um, there's a country club that has, man, the houses there or something else, too. One thing I can tell you about about Texas, the houses are made of stone instead yes. of, like, brick and wood. And that whole stone feature, the stony feature, like, old English type. They're not stucco there either. No, <laughs> I, I love I love the stone look. I love it because, it, for me, it's, like, medieval times kind of thing. And I just love the look of the houses. It's obviously they're a lot more stable too. Um, and property taxes got to be low, no? Yeah, it's just a beautiful city to be in, man. Like business there is just on on a different level. Well, it's people, a major city for business, and people aren't greedy. Vegas isn't a major city. for Well, here's business. the thing: Dallas recruited major corporations out of California and New York to come over there. So what they did was they basically paid these big ass corporations and said, "We'll give you X amount." And we'll build out your offices for you if you move your business here. And that's what happened. I think that was in the 80s or 90s. Um, I think it was 90s. I think they did that or 80s. No, more recently than 2000. The brick and mortar ones. It's more now. It's more than the last like five, 10 years. Okay. Um, And here's the thing too. So uh, him and I, every time we're there and anywhere we go, when we have any kind of interaction with anybody, we ask Every single person that we interact with. Hey, how long you been here? Oh, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Fuck, I got somebody else. My, my Uber driver was there 40 years, has been there 40 years. And um, the area that I that he stays in, that my mentor stays in, and that I'm going to be staying in, uh, my Uber driver has been there, been in that area for 16 years. Um, but we always try to see if somebody can tell us something bad or negative that they dislike about Dallas. Every single person has only great things to say about Dallas. That's, Not just good, but great things. That's amazing. And I haven't tried to pull teeth. Like the guy, my Uber driver that's been there for 40 years, I try to pull teeth. I'm like, dude, there's got to be something that you would want different or changed or that you don't like about the city. Something. I know obviously the majority is great, but there's got to be something. He's like, Honestly, he's like, I love everything. There's nothing that I don't like. He's like, Sean, I've, I've watched, I've been here 40 years. I watched all the cities in Dallas bloom and expand and grow from being nothing but plain fields to these mountainous buildings. He's like, I've had the, I've had the privilege to watch this town blossom. He's like, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. I see these people that people are gather and rally together. They want to build businesses together. Uh, he's like, I got nothing bad to say. And I was like, fuck man. And then I called, I called my mentor up when I got back here in Vegas and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I still can't get him. I was with my Uber driver 40 years. Can't say a bad thing. So, <laughs> and we just laughed about it. And then you got back here. <laughs> I got back here, and I was like, like, "Fuck!" You know, it's funny that you said that because this morning when I got in the when I got in the car and I started driving, I was like, "Man, I wish I was in Dallas right now." That's how I felt when I got here, though. But I've never been to Dallas. I've been to Texas. I've been to Houston. That's a See, whole. Other, Houston I, is not a good representation of Texas. No, it's not. And I'll never go to Austin, and I won't even talk Party about world. why. But but uh, but Houston's like, that's like. 100% humidity. It's like a swamp. Yeah, it's diff- It's different. The weather was actually great this last week. But, you know, I've convinced you to go to Aspen. 
which that's on your that's on your target list. I'm going to convince you to to move to Dallas at some point. I need to go to Miami. I don't know. <laughs> Dallas might be. You, you're probably right. And see, but here's the, here's but here's, the part. especially with I'm what not, you do. The field that you're in, right, actually would mega benefit you if you it, went to it Dallas. Probably would it because probably of would. what's going on yeah. over there. And I'm not. And here here's the thing. I'm open minded. I love I love being here in Vegas, but I also came from a place that was not conducive for me. Right. My lifestyle, the way I want to live, um, just again, Seattle's not a bad place for the right people. It doesn't sure. fit me. It never fit me. Um, and if I had to choose, if if California, you grew up in the wrong town. Exactly. I think my mom, she was born in Hollywood, right back <laughs> in the day, right. You know, and so I think that came in my bloodline, right. So, um, but I'm open to Dallas. I want to go check it out. I might make a trip there. You'd be surprised. You might be there on a trip and I see might, me. Well, the, I actually just might have you go. I might actually have you just try to get you to meet me there. I might fly down we'll, there with the whole crew, man. We'll be in the, Bring my kids. We'll be in the same hotel, and that way I can just kind of show you around and see what you'll see what I'm talking about. I might bring all of them, man. Just I, I want to check it out. You know, I'm not I'm not supposed to. It's a great family place. Look, the school system is second in the country. Well, my kids are almost. Yeah, she's only got four years left. I'm done. You say only like four years? I mean, as fast as that's going to go, that's still a lot of years. I don't know, man. Time's flying, man. The older I get, it's like, boom. It's been a year. I've almost been here a year coming up. Yeah. Wait, what is it? August? September? Yeah, three months will be a year I've been here. We still got four years for a daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They might all be remote, too, one day. Oh, but. And almost little to no crime. And the, It's the so re- minimal. The real estate market, I was just talking to a guy from Dallas today, literally. No, I'm not joking. How funny is that? I, I was... Phone screening a candidate, uh, a front end, senior front end software engineer. He's in Dallas. We were just talking today. Cool guy. Nicest guy in the world. Is he a natural Texan? I don't know that. Maybe. I think so. Okay. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so we were talking today about it. He said, re- he said the real estate prices are going up like this. So if I'm going to buy, I better buy now. That's definitely a good investment property there, too. Yeah, because as that, I just I'm I'm concerned about inflation. I don't know what's going to happen if we're going to have a little bit of a mini recession. So I'm kind of hesitant right now. I think we got a bigger than a mini recession coming. Right. I think the tech space will be good this time. Okay, but I'm just I was looking at cars. I was looking at uh I was looking at that. <laughs> so the deal fell through on that Bentley with the guy that was going to buy it. The red okay. leather interior. You know the one. I was yeah, yeah, about? yeah. So the owner texts me this week. I haven't gone back. And he goes, you still interested? The deal fell through. And then my other buddy in Seattle's got a, a, one of those uh, high-end uh, Mercedes, the two-door. The S-Coupe? No, no. The uh, I don't know the other one. The With the wings going. Oh, over. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The GT one. GT, yeah. So he's got that. And I'm like, okay. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. This, this If this economy takes a poop, I don't want to be stuck with a car. Because right. used cars are expensive now. You, the the, the market, I could, if I wanted to, see, I believe, and and some people say this, and some people think like I'm bragging, but like, I know and I believe that I have the best Bentley in this city right now, uh, looks and appearance wise. It still runs great, right? But I have the best looking one that's completely murdered and out th- in black. And I think you can get more for it now. Well, yeah. The, well, that's where I'm going with that. So the, here's the thing. So this is the debate that I've been having in my head for the last like couple months because I could sell the car for about 20 grand more than what I bought it for. And the thing is like, I don't want to because I have the the one and only most unique Bentley in the city. 
And I know that if I go, yeah, well, and people have said, like, well, go sell it, make the 20 grand above it, and go remake the one. And I'm like, well, then I wouldn't be the only person in the city with and, it. And you'd pay more for that other car because my, my vehicle I bought, I leased two years ago. Kay. It's worth more than when I leased it now because there's no used cars. The dealership wants to buy it back. Used car market is huge. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, if I get rid of it, I got to go buy something else that's higher value. Yeah, if you're, here's the thing. If you're in car sales, you're making a lot of money right now. Car salesmen are making, this is one of those times where they're making stupid money. Yeah, but I heard the banks aren't giving loans on, on cars like they were. They're not giving loans like they were. Um, you have to be approved with certain criterias that are a lot more it's like, buy, it's like buying a house now. A lot more tighter than they used to be, yeah. Um, they're super tight. Only, But the reason, but you know what, for a legitimate reason, because... What happened was last year when they did the first set of stimulant checks, people were using their stimulus checks, right. their stimulus checks to go buy cars, and then they couldn't afford it. Like three, four, five, six months later, and the banks were like, "Holy shit, we approved all these loans for people to get into a car, and now they can't. And now they can't. Now they can't afford the car anymore." And it all turned out to be where people were just buying with their stimulus checks. So it was like this. It was like a honeymoon phase. They bought a new car. They can't afford it anymore, and they and it's got to go. That's horrible. And that's why the banks have tightened up their claws when it comes to loaning out for a car. So maybe if the recession hits, then I'll be able to get a car. Well, for you, I think because of uh, your credentials with um, the things that you have under your belt to show for proof between your business, your income, um, all that, I think you'd probably get approved no problem. I might just show up next to you on the freeway. Dude, let's just take a picture with each other. To each other. <laughs> That's a nice Bentley. Hey, Sean. <laughs> right. I know, man. I, every the the boy in me wants it so bad, but every fiber in me is like, don't make a mistake and get it right now. Uh, it's hit or miss. Um, like, and it's and honestly, it's a it's a W twelve. It's a V twelve. So. That's probably the worst car to get with gas right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a V12 unless I'm getting a supercar. I don't want a V12 at all. Like unless I'm getting like a Lambo or a Ferrari, um, a GT or something. Like I wouldn't touch a V12. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I might just wait. I mean, hang out, see what happens, and yeah, roll the dice and make try to make a smart decision. Put my money in another asset investment. That's supposed to be taking off here soon. Yeah. That I'm waiting for. I'm a, <laughs> Sean. Don't worry, I'm going to introduce you to that very soon. <laughs> there you go. So I might have to go to Dallas, like I said. I might have to get on a plane and, and go check it out. Yeah. Because cool. if, if the real estate's doing what it says it's doing out there, I need to buy. I didn't, I didn't look at the prices this last time I was there, so I couldn't tell you. But I, I think do. I think they're lower than here still. They are. They're 100% lower than here. There's so much land. And, and the... And the um, the what is it? Not the permit. The permits, it, it's different than any other place where you'll drive. Like I remember in, in Houston, you'll be driving on the freeway, you'll see a field of corn crops, whatever, and then all of a sudden you see this road and there's an office building in the middle of nowhere, because their zoning laws are totally different yeah. than anywhere else. You can literally, I'm on, I want to buy that land and put a house there. Okay, it's like well, wait a minute, there's. <laughs> There's an office building and there's a house in another office building. It's a weird situation, mm-hmm. but there's so much land. Yeah. So I think that's why it's inexpensive. Yeah, the land is. I mean, even for booming economy over there, the land it's there's there's so much land, dude. There's so much land. Like all I think about is like, my dogs would have a blast. Oh yeah. There's so much land. It's right now is a good time. 
Yeah. It'll be Vegas. I mean, uh, Dallas will be like Vegas in terms of its population and housing market where now like there's more people than there is homes right now in Vegas. Um, Vegas is running out of homes. Oh, there's no homes. You can't even you can be, you're lucky if you find a home to rent right now. Yeah, and the rents are extremely high here. They're marked up like 20%. So people are built they're bidding on lots. Yeah. Before they even get the house. Yeah. 30 40 grand for a lot and then they okay, here's what we're going to put here for you. Yeah, these are those waves that people are talking about like that are blind to when it comes to just having the ability to make really good money, you're missing these waves by just I, not paying attention to what's happening I, in the marketplace. I kept telling people in Seattle, I said, oh, we're thinking about moving. I said, do it now. No, we're going to wait. Everybody there is, we're going to wait. They all do that. And that's what I was talking about. I said, no. Everybody said, you should wait. No, I'm going to do it. I got down here, found the house, did the whole deal before I left. And now I'm thinking, wow, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to qualify for the house I'm in now because I took too many deductions. Why do you think, why do you think people have a bad relationship with money? That's a good question. I, th I think it's I think it's how they were raised and brought up by their their parents. It's yep. installed that in okay. You think it's save, a save, save, right? Well, well, millionaires and billionaires say don't save. No, they want to get. They don't want more than a couple thousand bucks in their bank account. Spend it, it and put it into assets. And so the traditionally we've been taught to go to school, get a good job, and with a good job get an education, or get a good you know with good education go get a good job and stay broke, but save your money. That's the conservative way to do it. Not politically conservative, but that's a safe route. And so a lot of people in Seattle like to be safe. Yeah. That's what we're taught. And if you if you see if the difference between someone there in Seattle and here is you'll see the money, there you won't. They'll have Birkenstocks and a, and a Prius. <laughs> and and a, not, true, truth, yeah. and they'll be worth millions of dollars. I think, uh, well, you know, there's a, there's a, a fact out there. 80% of millionaires are self-made. Only 20% it, it's passed down money. Yeah, cuz they won't they won't they don't they don't know what how to how they they don't know how to make it and they're not going to appreciate it and most businesses that are passed down in the next generation that it's gone. Yeah, and that's it. that's only 20%. So that means 80% of the of the population of millionaires and above all did it with their own hand. That's amazing. That's a big number. Like yeah, it, yeah. Like if you're in the seven figure plus numbers, you're in the top point five percent. But in that top point five percent, it's still a lot of people, and eighty percent of that point five percent of people are all, all did it on their own. It wasn't passed down to them. Yeah, cause it's actually one now because seven fifty eight is the top one percent income in the U.S. So if you're making a million, you're in the one percent group. Okay. It used to be like three fifty, and all of a sudden it jumped up to seven something. Well, because a hundred grand is not hard to make anymore. No, no. Remember what we talked oh about? Oh my gosh! A hundred grand is not. Oh is my not, gosh! Is not the new six figure title. Oh, I had the math on this too. The how much you need to make a day? I, I don't have it written down. It, it's such a low number. It. I think it was like. Three hundred some odd dollars. I'm gonna do it right now. Yeah, you need to do the math on that because it was it was uh, questionably low. Uh, so we're going to do it divided by 365. Is that right? Yeah. It's 277 a day. Something like that. Yeah. It's $277 a day, every single day to make a hundred thousand dollars. That's. You should be doing that in your sleep. 
Exactly. In any business. Now, if you have a job that pays minimum wage, you're not going to do it. No, so but you if have, you have, but here's the thing. Remember what I said last time? If you have a job that pays you minimum wage and you're working your typical 8 to 4, 9 to 5 job, then what are you doing from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m.? This is where you have to break out and, and save. You have Now, this is where you do have to save money to get your other side deal going from your job. You can't be working at Chick-fil-A forever, right? Well, that's where you call it. That, well, but again, I wouldn't consider that saving because I'm going to take the money that I make from my regular job and I'm going to invest it into my project. And I know somebody that did that. That's an investment. That's I know not somebody, saving. I know somebody that did that who's 19 years old and he's generating 70 grand a month now. He was at Chick-fil-A in high school. And he's well known among a certain vertical community in mm-hmm. business. He's generating seventy k in his first two months a month, so he's made one hundred forty grand in sixty days. In sixty days, think about that projects. But also, he put his head down and went to work. He didn't go yeah. fuck off. Oh, and he, and 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 if you follow his journey, he's. He's working, traveling on the road, doing what he has to do, going to these conventions and, and events and coming back to his hometown, hustling. He's working. Yeah, he's keeping his mind right. Yeah. And that just goes to show you, anybody that wants to do something, you just have to have, we talked about it, consistency, yeah, dedication. Um, I think uh, this topic is so interesting when it comes to consistency because people think, um, if you do the same thing every single day, that that comes to consistent. That that only goes so far. You, yeah, you. If it's um, not working, you got to adjust the, the, the. Well, yeah, because that that consistency every day also means there has to be improvement every single day too. You can't just say you. I'm going to go do the same exact thing every single day, but not actually self reflect the previous day to improve. What did I do wrong? What did I miss? What did I fall short on? So I can do it better the next day, and then do it better the next day. So consistency every day is not just repeating the same thing it's repeating it with improvements every single day that's going to help you get to the next level the same thing goes with if you are inconsistent with your personality and your behavior so you can be doing you go through the motions every single day but if your attitude isn't right every single day you're not going to receive because if i was like oh man i gotta go fucking grind this out i gotta do this every day oh it's such a burn blah 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 if my attitude just sucks but I'm still doing the consistent work and improvement every single day, but my attitude is poor, I'm not going to receive. Because the universe is saying, like, I have a bad attitude towards wanting to grow, evolve, and make more money. So it's not going to give it to me. Because I'm not, because therefore that means I am mentally not ready for the next level. I'm not ready for the next deal. I'm not ready for the next person at that next level that's maybe going to take me there. I'm not ready to meet Daverick and have that level of a conversation because my attitude sucks. And what I did, I wrote down 27.39 a day. That was my first goal. 27.39. Yep, that was the magic number. And what is that? That's a million. If that's 365 days, it's $2,700.39 a day. Oh, got it. That gets you to a million. That was my first goal, right? It's like, okay, that's doable. doable. But you have to break it down because people look at it here. And and it was funny. I was just talking to somebody uh, about this investment in a startup. And they said, oh, you know, I said, if it does this and this, I should get to a million, million eight. They go, a million is not a lot of money. I go, I know. But just that one investment, that takes me to other investments, which I've already got other investments, right? But they're right. A million isn't anything. It's not. But here's what I will say. Because, like, you know, people say 100 grand is, is the hardest to get to. A million is the hardest to get to. Have, like, all these numbers. The, um, your first million is the hardest out of all of them. 
Um, because here's the thing: once you hit that first million, because people who think getting to five million and ten million is difficult, it's really not. Once you hit the million dollar mark, because once you hit the million dollar mark, you have you have access to so many more things to put your money and spread your money, yeah, in so many places with larger lump sums that the ROI on those is so significant. It's that it'll 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 ten x itself over over the right period of time. Absolutely, it's like that. But with a right. hundred grand, music, right? I can't you know? take I can't take a hundred grand unless I'm like hardcore savvy with like stocks and investments or like I know what I'm doing with like houses. And you're living you're living in a three hundred dollar apartment a month, and you saw you got yeah, is but not two bills. But, but, but turning a hundred grand to to a million, um, that's the harder part. You only have hard. so many options yep. to play with. Now you can be done, but it's a longer time period. Yeah, once the, once you get that million mark and you take that, you have a lot it's more. It's fast. It's fast. It's super fast. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. The gates open up. I, you've arrived. Yep. Now here we go. Get ready. Put your helmet on. Yeah, because now you go. Because now your conversations are about hundred thousand dollar deals, not ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand fifteen. Yeah. You're doing hundred thousand dollar deals, quarter million dollar deals. It's not that hard. I think that. people just got to get their mind out of their association and where they're at, yeah. and go to the next level. Break free, people. Just break free. Get around Sean, myself, somebody else. You, there's people that w- make way more than we do that we're trying to get around and we associate with. Your mentor. Dude, the guy, I met him. He's incredible. He's amazing. And I, he said three words to me. I was like, wow, this guy's. You can feel it. You can feel it. it the just energy's right. Like, wow, this guy's words. It was like, wow. It was like music to my ears. I got to stay around this guy through Sean, right? So anyways, I mean, that was a good a good talk we had, right? Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> We bounced around a little bit, but. Fun talk. Good talk, man. I mean, it, it, this is we needed. We needed this one. I, I don't know if you call it freestyle. What do you call it? Sure, Just we can say freestyle. Shooting the shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This, this helped my my mind was going a million miles an hour when Sean, we got here. It, it actually slowed down a little bit. Finally, Sean was like this. Yeah, what, what, what? Uh, yeah. So in closing, right? Um, what, what's your message for the day? What do you want to say to the people out there that they can take home with them this week? And sit on and learn from a quote, a Sean quote. Don't care about other people's opinions of you and just go do what you have to do to get to the next level. I love it. Make it happen. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. Share with your friends and family. Hit the like button. Help our algorithms. And we'll see you next week. Have a good day. Dude, it's hot.